I want to try something on this episode. So I gave someone a compliment the other day and said specifically, hey, this did you know like this is something you're really good at? And they, of course, they kind of knew, but no one had really called that out. And so it meant a lot to them. I thought, man, there's there's so many times where we ghost for such a long time without really hearing what we're good at. Um, so I was recently on a trip with Ashley and we were doing this with each other at dinner and kind of just giving each other um, little shout outs on like accomplishments that the other person had. It was really fun because obviously we know the accomplishments that we've had, but a bunch of them, we had never said it to the other person. It actually felt really good to hear her say, I'm really proud of you and I'm impressed with like how you did this. And so I want to try starting the sweet spot challenge. And Mm -hmm. the idea is you just tag someone here and say, Hey, this is something I think you're really good at. Tag a friend, a coworker, and just remind them, what do you, what do you always notice that they're really good at? Cause maybe they know it and it would just be encouraging, or maybe they've lost sight of it, or maybe no one's actually ever pointed that out. If you're listening to the podcast, maybe just take a sack pause text it to a friend, but I think it would be cool to, uh, have people just call out, like, what is something I think you're really good at? That's a sweet spot for you. So as an illustration, I think you should tag me so that the listeners know how to do this. You should probably go above and beyond too. So I'm thinking maybe 15, 20, 30, 40 comments about all the things that's great about something. That's right. They needed a couple times to know how it works. Lead by example. I have a TikTok, so feel free. Anyone who's listening and wants to know, if you know Steve at all, <laughs> ask him, DM him, ask him, what am I good at? <laughs> Get Greenhouse to comment. Honestly, right, okay. though, I, I do love this idea a lot. Obviously, it's not a brand new idea to no, Greenhouse. People, people start- don't take the time enough to say, gosh darn it, I like your t-shirt. Thank you. <laughs> Go Niners. I do think that everyone to some degree, whether you like public affirmation or not, it feels good, it feels good to know that other people think you're good at something. And it's very helpful to know yeah, this isn't something that everyone's good at. Like, I think that's a trap that I fall into a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm good at this, but yeah. so is everyone and everyone likes okay. that. Okay, so. maybe we should just, should well, we just do it uh-huh. as well? I'll start. I'll I'll compliment you guys. Oh that means God. we have to compliment Steve. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just sit there in awkward silence afterward and then and then we'll slowly transition. I'm going back to producing everyone. <laughs> Some music starts yeah. fading in. Yeah. Like, uh... Well, okay, I'll start right now. Oh, we're doing this right now. Right now. We're doing it. <laughs> so, Sunday, I think something you're really good at that everyone who knows you knows is you are actually a really good listener. And what I think is cool about that is you're great at talking. (laughs) So you might think you're not great at listening. You're actually one of the best listeners I know. And you have a way of making people feel like you are so present right here with me. And you heard not just like what I said, but you, you really saw me like you have a really sweet spot of being able to listen. Well, take it. Just take the compliment. Thank you very much. (laughs) And Joe, I actually think you have one that's similar, but different. You are really good at uh, similar but different. Where you're really good at the talking. (laughs) You're not so much of a listener. (laughs) You're really good at making people feel comfortable, though, because you have a very. You're so not judgmental. (laughs) Like you feel. You know how uh, you can kind of feel if someone's being a little judgy, staring at you. Like there is just a feeling of hanging out with you that um, you're so open and you're so not judgmental. It's really fun to be around you. I mean, you're also good at like 
baseball and snowboarding and surfing and but that honestly that's really encouraging though for me to hear because in the studio space that's something that i've always wanted to do is create an environment where people come in and they're comfortable and so often studios in general are very intimidating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. music that's what i wanted to do originally nope, so that was the call, but so that even just doing this right now is very encouraging yeah so Steve, coming at you right now because Sunday okay. you stole mine for Sunday. I wanted to say immediately, everyone feels comfortable. With Sunday. Oh, immediately, immediately. Yeah, you just walk in, you listen, and everyone's like, "Sunday's my best friend." <laughs> I immediately feel comfortable. Immediately. Right now. <laughs> but Steve, I've had well, I've had the pleasure of being coached by both of y'all. But one of the things that I love, um, since it's Steve's turn now, Sunday, yeah, uh, that you. It's hard to listen to someone's vision, especially for a company and things that you're really excited about. And I remember that when you coached me, uh, you got the picture of everything that I wanted it to be uh. one day. <laughs> and everyone that I've talked to, there's always a disconnect somewhere. They they grasp part of it and put it in a box. And I felt like you understood that and then were able to help me deconstruct that and like reverse engineer it some. And I just, it's really encouraging that you're helping other people do that because for me, it was a huge deal. So thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good at your job. I mean, I'm also very good at lifting weights, and you yeah, are. you're you you're are. good at snowboarding, even though you took someone out. Yeah. <laughs> we were going down. Did, <laughs> oh, my God. did you yes. see that? I forgot Joe was oh, there. Oh, that was funny. Okay, we both love snowboarding. I neither of us are pros, but we're both like decent, right? We, yeah, we're good. We don't fall down a lot. We can go down anything we want to. Like we're. Oh my god! Did I you took wipe this up? lady out. Oh. I took her out like, at the knees. Oh shoot! And I thought no one was around, and Joe was right behind me watching the whole thing. Did he video it? Then he helped her get up, and then just rode past me laughing. <laughs> it was because we were. It, they were starting to blow snow, so it was getting uh, like a little bit wide out. Then she was cutting straight across, and then you'd hit like a little jump and like skidded on ice, and so you bounce back up. And then you're landing on ice right when you see her and yeah. you try to cut and you just completely lost your edge. Yeah. And then. Well, yeah, you're no, you're right. Because I was trying to fall on purpose. So I wouldn't just like run right into her. But in doing so, I kind of slid and took her out at the knees. And so it was like a cartoon where she just went flying straight back in the air. I was so mad. Oh, she was so pissed at me. I, I was did, like, I do not know Steve, but eye? let me help. Furious. Yeah, she was. I forget what yeah. she said, but kind of yelling at me. And yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But actually, yeah, at the same yeah. time, I had really hurt my, my knee. I was That's like, right. oh, God. It was been for a couple of days. Like, was it a week or two after? Yeah. Like, you were, yeah, that, yeah, this is why really, I'm not going you were the victim here. <laughs> and your feet are locked thing. into a board. Oh. Like, I see your face and I see the words that you're saying. And they're just <laughs> not adding up to me. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You're locked into a board. <laughs> My brothers yeah. nailed uh, wakeboarding boots onto a skateboard so that they could do flips like off a swing and land. So, oh wow, that's that's like my <laughs> idea yeah. of fun. See, this and is you're what I love about like Joe. Joe. You're surprisingly, um, you're just surprising. That's what I feel like. I feel yeah. like Joe has layers. Yeah. You're uh-huh. like very serious about your work, and you're very neat and organized, and yet you're kind of crazy. Oh, like very you do crazy. all these risk taking insane or like what he's got next but yet you never make people feel rushed that you're that because you're headed somewhere man this is this is my favorite episode it is because you're feeling the love right (laughs) but you know if you're listening or watching this you don't it doesn't have to be really deep or elaborate it could just be honestly especially if it's a coworker, something they're actually just a skill they're good at at work it can be helpful to hear that 
So, like, Steve, I just actually just got to observe you yesterday, simply. That's right. And I just wanted, I really, I wasn't even like, I didn't even have a big role. You let me just watch you. It's not hard to observe it was, me. <laughs> let me be clear where I observed you. <laughs> this is a workplace. <laughs> You were just you were facilitating a yeah. group on strategic planning. <laughs> that just took a hard. Some people are like, I was excited yeah, yeah. until I wasn't. Uh, that's great. You let it well. Thanks. Simply just let it well, and I could not believe how excited this group was about. Well, I think they had rarely had someone prep and be, like be prepared to lead mm. a meeting, and so be confidently yep. leading through and keeping yep. the time. And yeah, like Joe, you had something similar. You led a meeting for us on some kind of marketing and ideas and we all at the end we're like damn nice job like joe you're when you put your mind to it you're really good at leading a meeting because you had kind of some slides prepared with some visuals and ideas mm -hmm. and you were guiding us through the time and kind of taking ownership and being the boss and we we're like yes yeah. this is so good yeah or even um we're you know uh something that robin's really good at she doesn't get enough shout outs no here. she is so good at She's anticipating at things and we're be she's so good at anticipating and being kind of a couple of steps ahead. Yeah. We'll be in a meeting and we're like, oh, what about? And she's like, she's like done. done. She, even, done. She, she today, <laughs> she already knew our sandwich orders. Mm. She like already mm. anticipates what we want to order. Yeah. I love that. So right? good. And one more thing about you is you are really great at being a boss and also a friend. Like when you go out of town, I'm like, my friend's <laughs> back. I'm like so excited. Mm. And you're a great boss. Thank like you. Like that's, that's, that's not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's you, a funny you one. manage that well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun to just hear something you're, you're good at, maybe whether you know it or not. So if you're listening, stop right now and text yeah. a friend or a coworker and yeah. just tell them like, what's something that's their sweet spot? Sweet spot yeah. challenge. Go for it. I'm so glad you're on, Rebecca, because we realized recently there's some really fun, awesome coaches at Greenhouse that no one out there has met yet. So I'm glad people get to hear your voice, see your face, and like hear from you a little bit. Um, I want to ask, like I always start with anyone who's a guest, what was your very first job? Your very first job. I love that. Well, I'm happy to be here. And um, I'm one of those people that has sort of had, whether it be formal jobs or volunteer kind of jobs, um, pretty early in my life. My very first job, though, was at a bakery. So I was helping an auntie of nice. ours. She brought me under her wing. It was a very famous bakery around here. It's called Bebel, unfortunately closed. Um, but I did the morning shift with her. And so I packed cheese buns uh -huh. for their distribution to like the grocery stores around the city um, in the early hours for a whole summer. Um, it was lovely because the team was great there. It was not so great because I probably didn't eat bread for a few years after that. And <laughs> yeah. like to this day, like cheese buns look amazing, but I just can't do them. I just can't. Yeah. I, I know how good they are, yeah. but it's just not for me. So, um, that's what happens when you, you know, go home smelling <laughs> like bread every day for six months. Right. Okay. So. This is not nearly as cool as like a Vancouver, like amazing bakery, but I had, uh, I worked at a company I worked at for a little while, they were like in the same building with some nonprofit that would collect all the leftover Panera bread every week and then give oh, it course. to the homeless. So it was yeah. kind of a cool thing because Panera, you think these restaurants, they have so much leftover that they have to throw away. Just... And so they'd collect it, but then they would let us get dibs on it too. And so we could pick up a loaf. <laughs> it was terrible saying that outside. Uh, but we, 
so I had Panera bread so many times in a row. I can't, I can't even go to Panera anymore, but I'm, at least your bread was a little That's higher hilarious. quality. <laughs> it's like the opposite, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. My dream is to like live next to a bakery where you could just walk over there every morning. Oh, and it would just smell delicious every day. I uh, feel like that would just start my day off with such joy. <laughs> That's so cool. Cheers. Okay. Well, um, so maybe just give your a, a quick introduction, who you are, where you live, how how you even got connected to Greenhouse. I think some sometimes people are surprised that we have um, a team spread around so much. And I think what I especially want to hear is a bit of your career path because so many of the listeners are, they feel like they're the only one with a windy well, career path and think that everyone's is linear and goes perfectly, um, perfectly straight and as expected and find a lot of encouragement or just affirmation in hearing other people's stories that are, that are not linear, that are actually, um, kind of the generalist, the Swiss army knife can play a lot of roles. So you, you, sometimes you don't know exactly where you fit, but you do a lot of cool work now. So maybe just share, um, a bit of that background for people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love I love that call out. And um, one thing that maybe I'll start off with is, um, and I learned this probably just in the second half of my my career, right? Um, but of course, you know, when you grow up, you're told to go to school, you're told to pick a major, they give you all these assessments or people in your life give you assessments of like, oh, like you like people, maybe go into HR. Like, cause that's, yeah. that's what happened with me, right? Like I wanted to do creative things. <laughs> My parents were like, you need to actually get a job and not be an artist. Uh -huh. um, and so they're like, how about, you know, doctor, how about law school, how about business school, these types of things, um, which is all great. But now that I'm a little bit older, I like to think that with lived experience, the reality is a lot of the interesting jobs that exist today, frankly, didn't exist five years ago. Yeah. Right. And so what does that look like when it comes to that kind of career laddering, career pathing? I'm not saying that those don't help from a foundational perspective to kind of, you know, give you exposure to different things, give you exposure to topics so that you can apply skills like problem solving yeah. and being creative within that space. But the reality is if we stick too close to certain industries or certain paths of today, who knows what's going to happen 5, 10, 15 years from now. And so I think it's important to be flexible, like you say, Steve. Uh -huh. um, so for me, um, again, I did kind of, you know, grew, grew up in circles and in a family that um, very much encouraged us to, you know, go to, go to school and like be able to get a job out of school. Right. Of course, in hindsight, looking back, like I loved the journey that I took in education because it allowed me to learn all these interesting things. But in the in the moment, I was really stressed out about coming out and like getting a co-op job and starting my career. Yeah. So I am kind of, you know, more traditionally trained in HR uh -huh. because of all those assessments that I had <laughs> mentioned previously. Um, I'm glad that it ended up the way that it did, because I would say that it's not so much that I'm a people person. I often joke that I'm probably the the least HRE person that people may meet in HR. Um, but the reason why I really enjoy the profession that I have continued in is because um, I, I, I like to work with people, but it's not so much being a people person. 
right? And often, especially early in my career, I often felt like I was a little bit too cold for HR. Like I didn't have like that strong, you know, heart-led way, you know, all like leaning into the feelings. <laughs> like I'm actually more of an analytical thinker. Yeah. Um, but what excites me is unpacking how human behavior works. Yeah. You know, how does the human brain work? And so my HR career has been very much around chasing really interesting problems. So business problems with that people lens. Yeah. So I've kind of progressed my career within the within the people space with that in mind. So not so much the operational HR, but looking for juicy problems like policy development, like talent data and, you know, what kind of people data do we need to present in front of executives in mm -hmm. order to make sense of what's going on in your business? Yeah. Um, I also forayed into strategy related to diversity and inclusion, which I really enjoyed. Um, and as of late, I've spent the last, you know, five to seven years in tech. And so both in large as well as small companies, which really allows me to color outside the lines when it comes to the people space, because tech is kind of all things. And so there's really interesting opportunities to lean into the business problems in that tech world, um, again, with that people lens. So thank goodness the world has turned the corner. And I think most companies recognize that your people in your business are literally your business. Mm -hmm. And so it allows a lot of space to uh, work in this way. Yeah. Um, you had also asked about how we came across each yeah. other. So um, maybe this will come up later on, you know, in pandemic, obviously everything shut down and there were lots of pros and cons. I look back at that time with a lot of um, blessings came into my life. And so one of those was the opportunity to take part in a coaching program um, out of Howard University. And so again, that likely wouldn't have been on my radar if, you know, virtual programs were not a thing. And so of course, being able to log in and complete this uh, certification by distance um, was such a treat. And so after that program, someone else that was in that program is actually who connected uh, Steve and I. So um, really glad that everything kind of uh, fell the way that it has. Um, and it allowed me to kind of lean into this space, which again, allows me to dive into really juicy problems, right? My whole career has been spent chasing juicy problems. <laughs> and in coaching, it's just a different lens and scope. So it's more as opposed to helping organizations unpack their problems, it's helping individuals get under the surface of what's happening. Yeah, that's cool. And it makes sense. There's something about coaching, which is if you enjoy that, that type of problem solving in your own life and experience, at some point, it becomes fun and fulfilling to help others work through that stuff too because it's, 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 there's so many layers and so much complexity to the kind of things we tackle in coaching <laughs> that's right well that's cool so i want to talk about boundaries today um i i'm actually really interested in where we're going to go here because i think it is a coaching topic that is getting a little more attention or dialogue now, as opposed to, to your point, maybe five years ago, it's something I've been thinking through and working on myself a lot. And I, I consider myself just at the baby stages of it. <laughs> um, but it's been really helpful to start to explore the, that those areas in my personal life, my work life. Um, I, I would love to hear a bit of your story around boundaries. Like what's been your journey so far with it? Mm -hmm. That's a great call out. And I mean, full disclosure, 
I would not suggest that I'm an expert in this space at all. And I would suggest that most people, like with most things around human behavior, it's always going to be an ongoing journey, right? So maybe just to take a step back, um, I am a mom. We have three relatively young kids. And I think when the whole topic of boundaries kind of became more viral, I would suggest, (laughs) again, in the past, you know, five to seven years, let's say, um, we were like in it, right? Like at the time, probably pandemic-ish timeframe, we're located in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And so during those years, that looked like everything was on shutdown. No schools, no daycare. You're still working your full-time job and you're essentially homeschooling your kids virtually. Um, If the kids were a little bit older, I think that might have been okay. Um, In that time, though, like we had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. So it was a lot, right? And so I would would share that um, when the whole topic of boundaries came up for me, um, I sometimes felt like I started at the very bottom of the barrel Mm. because we were coming out of this space of you know, frankly, raising young kids. And so what does it look like to create boundaries with these little beings that truly need all of you um, versus now that they're a little bit older, you know, we we can start to have more uh, complex conversations about everybody's got different needs. And, you know, we have to fill all the different buckets when they're just depending on you for everything. Like that's a little, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Well, (laughs) this is it. I'm just realizing right now, you and I have never talked about some of these things, but it's funny because for me, it was, similar but different where we only have one young kid but it was still the birth of that child that forced me to even start thinking about boundaries before that I was one of these people where every night every weekend was just packed with stuff and I've always been all in with work so I always had in fact I used to be chronically late to everything simply because I was running from something else Uh I just always packed the time full and you know, strengths finder, I'm a maximizer. So it was like, I just, without thinking from my youngest age, that was just my way of being in life was pack your schedule. And it was the birth of Lucy and the realities that you're talking about that even had me start thinking about boundaries. And I didn't even, that word, that word wasn't the thing for me. It wasn't like, Oh, boundaries. And we need to have, here's my framework. It was just, Oh, on the weekend, I can't pack full of stuff anymore or mm-hmm. else I'm going to die. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like the need for mental space or rest or any yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a good call out that those of us, we're navigating life with others, right? And I think as a parent, especially, um, and I don't, again, don't get me wrong, like early on when they're little and they kind of have to follow you around, you figure like, okay, they're taking time on, but like, it's okay. Like you'll just carry them and like, it's fine. When they get older, like those, those coping mechanisms are gone. And so you have to start respecting that everyone is an individual with different needs and preferences and, and yeah. all the rest of it. And so I think that, you know, especially the last few years navigating mom life, but also navigating to your point, balancing all the different hats that we wear, all the spinning plates on any given day has really inspired me to force myself to take that step back mm-hmm. and frankly, really, truly lean into self-care. Yeah. Right? So for me, boundaries is about self-care. And as a um, perpetual people pleaser, right, like someone that is a bit of a giver, wants to kind of you know, help out wherever I can, however I can. 
um, things have always been quite out of balance mm -hmm. in that way. Um, and that was just the way that I was either trained or um, brought up. I don't know exactly where it came from. I haven't, haven't unpacked that yet, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, working through it, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, how am I treating myself in yeah. comparison to how I'm hoping to treat others? And that that has been the journey for me, which is probably uh, the very first foundational block of like, what it is, what is it that I need? I don't always have an answer for that. Yeah. Um, and I don't always give myself permission to even think about that. Yes, so that, that that's is where I'm at. huge. <laughs> well, yeah. And I know that most of our listeners fall in that general category, people helpers or yeah. you, you enjoy helping, you are others centered, which is great, a great quality. But same thing, I've been unpacking this big time lately and it feel, it does feel new to me, a, a lot of new realizations that I never, I've never even been good at sharing my needs with others, verbalizing them, recognizing them. Cause I, I don't know, I'm a pretty high capacity person. I like just helping out. I see a problem, I go solve it. It's just, yeah. And, and so I've started noticing lately to your point, in, in interactions with family and friends, I've started kind of just paying attention and noticing that my default mode is to just get rid of any discomfort that they have <laughs> and, and like spend myself in, in the, you know, honorable act of caring for everybody else. And to uh -huh. your point, what happens is, um, the opposite. I, 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 I can wear myself out. I can crumble. And then of course not be able to help others either. But uh, I'm just starting to recognize that a, a lot more myself as well. Sometimes I do. So yeah, I like that. I like that call it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, this is bringing up so many questions. But okay, so kids have played a big role for you in starting to recognize and think about self care. Are there other um, catalysts or things that have, that have started to turn the light bulb on for you? Yeah, I think for me, it has been a, the balance of all things, right? So again, I mentioned being a mom and I find that when they are little, it's, at least for me, it was easy to kind of treat that as like, okay, this is my season in life. That was the priority. And, you know, we're going to do this for a bit and then we're going to go back to our career, right? Because I've always been very career driven, mm -hmm. always very busy in that, in that way. Um, and don't really want to miss a beat when it comes to that, which is why in my mind, I was compartmentalizing my <laughs> life. Um, now that they're not little anymore, and I don't have that excuse in some ways of like, oh, like they're little, I need to prioritize them. Now, now it's back to balancing all the things, except you have this huge role, which <laughs> frankly is the biggest role of my life um, that sometimes comes into conflict with the other pieces. And I think that's why for me, it's kind of forced this, um, the inner work and the, my own personal journey of what is it that I need in order to show up in the best way? Right? Yeah. What is on my plate? What's important and what maybe needs to drop? Um, sometimes as well is, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, the time that we have and having a busy schedule and those types of things. For me, we tried that, right? We tried to take a look at it and like, what are we going to cut so that we can have more time? And my aha moment in that was I didn't do that self-reflection of why are these things in my calendar in the first place, right? Busyness or not, not being busy does not equal having healthy boundaries, <laughs> at least in my definition, right? My definition around boundaries is how clear are we in terms of what we need when it comes to time, space, relationships, and how do our lives reflect that? 
And so sometimes having a busier week than others, for example, but filling that week with things that are really important to me or to one person, another person in the family, um, and making sure that we're catering those experiences in that way, even if it's busy, (laughs) that can actually be us maintaining that boundary because we're prioritizing our needs in that space. I love that. I love that framing of it. It is really helpful because sometimes if we say, I'm just going to make more time, I'm going to clear up time. It just fills with other stuff. Exactly. And even if it doesn't fill with stuff, to your point, you might not be doing anything better with that time. You're just filling it with Netflix or something. And I think that um, I've been experiencing a similar thing. Every year I try to set goals, but also set a theme for the year, which is more of this meta like topic that I'm just going to be mindful of. And this year I had two, so I I broke my rule. Um, But it was around marriage and friendships and i i tried to um not tried to i just i set more of an intention around being thoughtful about our marriage and investing in that relationship and a few specific friendships and as someone who would have just said yes to any invite that comes my way before i found myself saying no a lot this year and felt uncomfortable because i don't want to i don't want to upset anyone or be rude but it's been so good because those relationships I wanted to focus on have gotten to whole new levels. I mean, the amount of growth is just insane that I don't think any goal setting could have done, but just the intentionality you're talking about has, you know, not even a year yet um, made such a difference. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And it it reminds me that as you dive into the journey of not just establishing boundaries, but also maintaining boundaries, that it can get uncomfortable, <laughs> especially if you're talking about relationships or spaces that were one way before, and then you kind of dive into this work, and now you're like, okay, like things need to change, <laughs> but there's work required to do that, right? Like it's not as easy to say like, okay, so you know, it's a new week, these are now the things that I need because I've had this amazing journaling, you know, session by myself. And so you communicate those things and you just like, things don't just shift overnight. Yeah. And so I think that's why for me, that intentionality, that reflection, whatever we want to call it, but having some of that time for that inner work and then having something that becomes almost like our North star to pressure test everything mm-hmm. against. For me, it gives me confidence in standing behind that boundary when things get a little bit ugly or tough. Yeah. Um, but it also align it makes sure that I'm aligned in that conviction of like like when it gets hard, why am I still stuck on this boundary? Right? Like if I didn't spend that time on the front end of it to really unpack why I need it and why it's so important, it'd be so much easier to just mm. default back to like, okay, like I gotta do all things for everybody because that's the way it's always been. Right. Yeah. And so I think sometimes that foundational piece, it takes a little bit more time, but it becomes something that I go back to as well. Like yeah. you say. Yeah. What I hear you saying is, and boundaries have this negative connotation sometimes. It's like a downer. It's like, a, we got to put more rules on it. We got to, we got to cut out fun stuff. But what I hear you saying is priorities create boundaries. And if I'm setting priorities well, it'll naturally help to create the right boundaries versus just putting boundaries in for the sake of, for the sake of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think for me, my, my journey through 
this topic has been um because i too always heard boundaries as like a negative thing uh, and if i was setting a boundary i'd be like oh like is that mean like <laughs> am i being rude you know again uh-huh. because i wasn't I'm, i wasn't naturally that way of frankly knowing what i needed um or requiring other people to meet that need for me um, and so the, the turning point for me was around alignment right so you say priorities another topic or another word that i sometimes like to use is like my values right so like if you dive into that values work like what are those top three values and that becomes the way i want to make sure my life looks and feels like at any point in time um then that becomes a measuring stick for these heads of conversations these decisions um, what is that boundary that's going to help me maintain or work towards bringing that value to mm-hmm. life versus just kind of ebbing and flowing with everybody yeah. that you, you know, engage with and interact with every day. Yeah. It makes me think of when we're working on values with an organization, we always talk about how you have to lose something in order okay. for it to be a value. Oh, it's, if, it if setting that value doesn't cause you to lose anything on the other end of it, then it's not a real value. It's just a, you know, hey, good attitude. And, you know, we have a supportive environment. It's like, well, if, the, if doing that and living that out doesn't cause you to have to give up anything, it's so not true. really a value. And I think that speaks to having those personal values aligned. It, it does kind of force other things out. And even the other day, I was finding myself having to say no to something that was in relation to this. And I was, I was also, I was worried about what that person was going to think. And it was a funny little moment of just remembering, Oh, all I have to do is explain to them why I'm saying no. Cause they'll understand in this circumstance, like they'll understand the why and they'll be supportive. <laughs> but yeah, if I just spit it out, like, no, cause I hate you. You know, that's of course not going to come across uh, the same way as no, there's reasoning behind why I'm making these decisions and it's actually for good things. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good call out. And that reminds me of something. So this is new. Okay. Um, I've got two girls um, and I forget where I picked this up from. Embarrassingly, it might be from the Kardashians or something like that. So it's, it's from, you know, game. pop culture. Yep. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was a comment around how they were talking about their parents and their biggest takeaway was that they were always taught early on that like, no, is a complete sentence. You know what? It wasn't the Kardashians. It was like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Um, <laughs> and I heard that and I was like, that is so interesting because like, where would I be in life if I had leaned into that early on? Right. Like, because often I'm like you, like I'll, I'll like, it, it'll take me time to come to that decision. And then I'll think about sort of, you know, how are people going to feel if I like land on this decision? And then I try to craft like the perfect not like an excuse, but like, you know, uh, the, the narratives, like I want to give them a reason mm-hmm. as opposed to like, no, like it's okay to just say no. Yeah. And to be confident in, in that. Um, and anyway, so I'm trying to gift that to my girls is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's great. It helps me to hear it too. Cause I've been working through that and I have to remind myself, especially if I'm saying no to someone, let's say they're invited me to do something and I'm really trying to keep the weekend open and I'm going to say no. I mean, that was very painful for me at first. I, it was, yeah. That was the hardest thing to learn because I never said no. And it's all about keeping everyone happy and pleased. And keep That's doing. right. And That's right. what's so funny to me is I remember, or I try to remind myself, they are not sitting around like thinking about me. They're busy with their own life. And when I say no, they're probably going to move on to the next thing and 
not even th- give it another thought. Meanwhile, I'm stewing for days like, oh, did I make them mad? <laughs> That's such a good call out. Not all the time, but you get the point. Sometimes that we can over inflate it in our own head. Yeah. Everyone's got their own reality, right? And, yeah. Uh, anyway, as you say, the word meta kind of goes into that realm of like, okay, it's very philosophical here, but that's, that's very much the way it is. Like everyone views the world in their own way. Yeah. And so how do we get better in stitching those very sometimes different realities together yeah. to actually meet in the middle? And that's probably more reflective of the true story. So living. when you're coaching someone around this, I'm just curious your thoughts on this, because I think mm-hmm. there is a pendulum swing happening where Maybe previous generations had no concept of boundaries and now younger generations are like all about boundaries and they're actually, I I think it's, it enters into unreasonable territory or selfish territory. And it's, of course, there's a spectrum. So I don't, I'm just curious how you approach that in coaching someone. What, where is, where is the, the right place for boundaries and how to think about it? Yeah, I love that. I think that it comes up in a bunch of different ways. Um, where I notice, where like the first flag for me, where maybe this is a topic that we want to lean into, is when they can't seem to answer questions around whatever topic. But I often like to ask people, like, what is it that you need? You know, like, what is it that you need in this scenario? And often people can really struggle with that. I mean, I yeah, struggle with it for sure all the too. time, yeah. right? And so for me, that that's kind of the first inkling where I'm like, oh, like maybe we need to dive a little bit deeper into this. Um, and so I, that's one of the questions that I always like to come back to, right? Because for me, boundaries is all back to that. It's about, you know, making sure that you are clear on what it is that you need to fill your cup, to feel a certain way, to feel good, um, again, in relation to whether it be time or space or your calendar or your relationships. But we need to be clear on what it is that we are, we need to put on the table before we start making decisions around that need, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the second step, I think, for me is I always like to start with values. If people are not clear and if people are not able to answer the question clearly, um, or if it kind of seems like it's it's very uh, situation dependent, mm-hmm. which is which is valid. I mean that's sure. reality. Um, but to have a golden thread that actually runs through the way we navigate life and the way that we make decisions, I think is just so valuable. Right? Because at the end of the day, um, if we kind of ebb and flow and almost change how we show up or or what our needs are, frankly, depending on the scenario, I'm not entirely sure how good will feel at the tail end of that, right? I I would venture to say that if you're putting on different hats and different personas all the time, as opposed to being clear and confident in who you are and what your needs are, that probably feels more exhausting than you going through a busy week and feeling more in alignment, right? So I like to go to values, help people prioritize. Maybe it's like their top three to five. And then we talk through what those look like, right? Like, what does that actually look like in your life? What does it mean for you if you think ease is a top value for you, like it is for me? Um, What does that look like? And what does it feel like? And let's unpack that. Then let's go back to the problem that you're trying to solve for and trying to create some boundaries around. And I think that gives people context, not just about the situation at hand, but also around, you know, the bigger picture, which is, you know, how we want to feel at the end of the day, day in and day out. Okay, so can I ask you to give people an example, like that value for you, ease, what does that look like for you? 
Yeah. So for me, so this is where the people pleasing comes out still a little bit because some some of the ease is making sure that there is peace, right, in the interactions that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, what that looks like is I try my best to hold space to have conversations similar to coaching conversations where I'm also trying to understand what other people are needing. Right. So in order for me to be able to navigate, let's say, a project team that has a bunch of different personalities on it, um, in order to make sure that that process to getting to the product that we're trying to get at at the end of the day, it, it goes goes in in that uh, in the realm of ease uh, in life. Sorry, I'm tripping on my words here. That's okay. um, that requires us to know each of the individuals. Yeah. Right? What are the working styles? How do we want to communicate? What's important to them? Maybe it's even, you know, getting more personal about like, hey, what's your dog's name? Like, what kind of, right? Because building that rapport is going to make it easier in order to dive into the work. Yeah. Um, for me, it's about, it's about that and taking the time to, you know, take that step back, unpack all the different players that we need to be considering. Um, or if it's a topic more around time and space, right? Like, okay, well, then what does our calendar look like right now? If it's too crazy, there is going to be no ease, right? So for us in the calendar space, it's about having a more regular routine, right? So it becomes second nature. We don't have to think about it all the time. We're not moving things around all the time. For me, we have a crazy busy calendar. There's five of us, but there is ease in that, in my opinion, because it's always the same every week, right? Yeah. And so if, if something new comes up, we're not having to you know, plug things around and look at look at it like a net new problem. It's, you know, we have three open spots. If it fits in one of those spots, then great. If it doesn't, then it's a no, you know, like, and for me, that seems easy, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful to hear. And do you think about boundaries? What are the categories? Like we're talking about time as one of them Sounds cool, and yeah. uh, priorities, what we say yes and no to. Do you think about different categories of boundaries? I think absolutely, for sure. Um, time and space, I would say, is one of them. Uh, priorities is another one. And values, I would kind of check those two together. The relationship one, I think, is one that maybe we haven't dove too much into. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that one's probably the the more, most complex, where you have to navigate, you know, what is that relationship dynamic that you have with these individuals? Um, relationships also have different categories of their own. Right. So some relationships where, you know, maybe it's your partner, this work is going to be a little bit more messy and probably a lot more complex because (laughs) you depend on each other. And there's, you know, there's a lot of things that are depending on that versus, you know, I have a concept that I like to call almost like my personal board of directors. So I have a group of girlfriends that are all kind of from different walks of life. And, you know, I like to pull them together. I like to use them as thinking partners yeah. and lean on them, you know, when, when things get tough, uh-huh. um, the relationship there is quite different when it comes to that boundary. Right. And yeah. uh, the small group of us, you know, lots of it is on chat, of course. Um, but, but it kind of, you know, there's a flow in there because we're diving into these conversations. We're getting to know each other in a way beyond, you know, just going for coffee or catching up or diving into, you know, a work project and those yeah. types of things. So I think at the end of the day, it comes to those relationships and really deepening those relationships. And I venture to say that maybe some of this boundary work is coming through naturally as a result of doing, just deepening the relationships, really yeah. getting to know each other better. I agree. I have a similar group of friends and it, what happens is in hearing what others are processing or working on or struggling with, creates light bulb moments for me and uh-huh. and vice versa because maybe they're thinking about a category I haven't thought about before 
or they're working on a boundary or something I haven't yet. And it, yeah. And then I leave thinking about that and it kind of sharpens each other. But I want to almost circle back to where we started this, which is around what's changed in the last several years. I don't know about you. I sometimes I'm <laughs> sometimes rep, I, I think where have, where have I been? How come I'm only now starting to think about boundaries right. at 37 <laughs> years old? Like, how have I missed this? Am I behind? And some people have never thought about them. Or I, I, I just think it's interesting that where we're at with technology, where we're at even post-pandemic, where careers can be. A, um, I mean, you have this, and I have this too, where it's a collection of different jobs, not just mm-hmm. one employer, same time, every day. But we also have technology and ac- you know access all the time. And all of these categories create more demand on our attention. So to me, it actually makes sense that boundaries is a more important topic to be intentional about than it might have been in the past. And uh, the reason I started noticing that was, as Ashley and I have been working on some of this stuff together, we realized, oh, wow, if we're going to work on that intention of our marriage and our relationship, we actually need to trim out or create some boundaries around other stuff that is just by default consuming all of our attention. So we... We had this funny conversation recently about something we were talking about and neither of us had even thought about it since we talked about it. And it was almost, we stepped back and dissected it. And it was interesting that the only reason is because our attention has been fully occupied by so many other things and most of it unnecessary. It wasn't just work. It was also scrolling and all these other, all these other things. So, um, I don't know if that gives people a permission slip as well. It's okay if you haven't even ever thought about this before to start now. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm just starting now. 100%. Thank you for sharing that because that makes me feel better too. Okay. I often would have that <laughs> aha and be like, do I just feel the need to lean into like my own needs because I feel like I'm drowning? You know, like several years ago, like that's what it felt like. And I remember I was on a call with some with my coaches and I was having a breakdown And it was simply because I like, I didn't have a place to put my books. Like that's where it all started. But then it unpacked into like, I own a house and I'm an adult. (laughs) Why don't I have a place to put my stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, like that was a, that was like my tipping point for me. And it went into like, okay, like, I feel like I'm like, just, you know, like treading water all the time. And Mm -hmm. right. So I think for me, that's why when I, when I think about it in the term of, in the form of self-care, Right, because self-care is something that I really lean into. I can understand that and I can unpack that and I can prioritize that. But for whatever reason, (laughs) for 15 or 20 years, I didn't include boundaries and my own needs as part of that self-care. Self-care was always like yoga or meditation or going out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so for me, it's, it's, it's bringing that connection back in around, okay, like being clear on what I need and what I need to feel good in terms of my relationships or in terms of my schedule mm-hmm. is a form of self-care, right? And if I'm not clear on what my need is, then I need to take that time and figure that out because I'm not caring for myself the way that I need to be as a responsible adult. If I just continue to live this churn of life, right? Like different priorities that maybe are misaligned, but oh, I just don't notice it. Talk scrolling, about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a similar, right now I've been learning that my version of all this is simply verbalizing my emotions to people so, around me. 
<laughs> something I never really knew how to do. <laughs> and yet, I mean, of course, the stuff's evolving over time. It's not like I've never thought about boundaries before, but yeah. but it's a new and deeper um, iteration of it lately where I'm going, oh, oftentimes, because my default mode was to stuff emotion, move past it, you know, um, is acknowledging it and there's, I mean, that could be a whole episode right there, but there's so much that can happen then, as you know, as a result of acknowledging it. Yeah. And I wasn't doing that first step. So then, of course, the other following steps um, couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, too, another um, piece that's so important about boundaries that we haven't gotten to yet is around verbalizing it right? Because no one can read our minds, right? So what, once we've done that internal work for ourselves, what are we doing with that information then? And me too, Steve, like that can be really hard yeah. to let people know what that boundary is. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a why in there, maybe there isn't, but then maintaining that boundary because it's so much easier to not, you know, ruffle feathers or, yeah. you know, not create those waves and just be like, okay, like this is the way the dynamic is. And so it's yeah. easier to just live in that, <laughs> but continuing to be in misalignment is way more painful than having that difficult conversation. So that's, that's been my aha moment of, okay, like if, if it feels uncomfortable enough, it's time to do something about it. Right? Yeah. Over time, then I get like, you know, you get a little bit bitter and I just, I don't like those things festering inside me. So I'd rather just, you know, deal with it maybe just uncomfortable and that's okay uh -huh. but at least we can move on and at least i'll at least feel better that i've gotten what i needed off my chest and then now i've got the other people as part of this solution and going forward as well yeah and sharing those boundaries verbally same way sharing them verbally with those around you so they can help you in maintain not in just like an accountability sense but so they can help you because they're on the lookout for it too that's and it we've been doing a lot of that at greenhouse recently. I've been doing it in my personal life. We're just sharing with each other what we're trying to pay attention to, where we're trying to um, care for ourselves. Then you can help each other better. So if you have a good team, I think that's a great place to do it with family, close friends, like your personal board of directors, people who are around you in the day to day and can, can help. Um, okay. We could go on forever, but, um, People already know that they can access coaching around this topic if they want to work with you or another greenhouse coach. And they can also check out the video lesson if they want to just dive deeper on their own. So I'm, I think what might be helpful to end on is if someone is listening to this and they had some kind of light bulb moment of their own or something resonated, as a coach, what would you say to them since we're going to hang up and they don't get any more <laughs> on this topic on yeah. this topic yes i think the thing i would leave with everybody is that you know boundaries is boundaries you know it's it's a it's a word that's become a, a hot word for whatever reason but at the end of the day it comes down to needs and i think what i would say is and what i've learned most recently has been um your needs are your needs and they are important right? So it's so much easier to think about other people's needs and prioritize that and be so selfless. But to your point, Steve, like if we do that for too long and we start pouring from an empty cup, then we're actually not doing anybody any good. And so it's okay to be a little bit selfish within reason and, you know, with balance, 
to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves the same way that we take care of others. 